Who was the Cowboys' most improved player in 2021, and what outside free agent must they sign this offseason? All that and more in this episode of the Locked On Cowboys podcast. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We want to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. I am Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. He is Landon McCool. Check him out at McCoolBCB. Landon, let's start with this. Who was the most improved player for the Cowboys during the 2021 season? I want your thoughts. Well, I think that, you know, we, we all had expectations for a lot of these players, but I think, you know, we're going to look at We're going to look at a list that somebody else has. Uh, but yeah. I, I would tend to think that to me, the most improved player, you know, we talked about in the season was Terrence Steele. I mean, just the way mm. that he, uh, you know, kind of bounced back from what was a very uh, disheartening season the, the previous year his rookie year undrafted free agent coming into the league kind of forced into a terrible situation uh, and you know at the time we all kind of talked about it like okay this is just the sacrificial lamb that we are laying at the altar of the 2019 season while we try to just survive and get through and then try to reload for 2020 uh, but it turns out that he took what he uh, what he did with, in 2019 and you know 2020 took, sorry 2020. Well, yeah, he took it to what he did in 2019, right? And, or 20 yeah 2020 and sorry you're right yeah. 2020 and then took it into 2021 uh, with you know an off season including uh, working out with Duke Merriweather at um, uh, you know at Line Performance Group and 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 just really kind of turned his game around and turned into a different, I mean, he looks like a completely different player he does. this year he as does. opposed to last year. So I, I thought that he was the, one of the most improved players in this team without a doubt. That's a good one. And I actually didn't think of that one. That's a good call. Uh, Pro football focus. They, they did their list of the, the most improved players during the 2021 season. And they gave it the, the award to the Cowboys uh, for J Ron curse. Um, mm-hmm. Curse was, I mean, a borderline rosterable player. Kind of going into the season, yeah. we didn't love that signing when it initially happened. And he finished as the site's 12th highest graded safety. Uh, he kind of – he was the Cowboys' second best linebacker on the team, which is crazy you know, enough to say. Uh, yeah. And now we're talking about him as a guy the Cowboys kind of have to sign in free agency, right? Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that the Cowboys are having to make a priority. I mean, it's not just solely because they don't have a ton of safeties on the roster, but uh, the fact that they don't have a lot of great off-ball linebackers either, and he kind of fills that role for both to a large degree. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, really, uh, the story there to me is that he finally kind of gave in to a role that it feels like coaches have been trying to push him towards for a while and he's just been very non-receptive to it uh right. and i think this is the year that 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 quinn was able to kind of convince him hey playing in the box it, like this is this is what your physical skill set is made for like as yeah. a safety you have the athleticism to do all the things that you need to play down there and and make plays yeah i think from what it sounds like in interviews you've heard with him it, it, he just was determined to not be changed from a safety to a linebacker. He was, I think he was just adverse to the idea in general. 
Uh, and it took a couple of years in the NFL of, of kind of just middling performance and then playing that role in piecemeal to realize, hey, this is something that could really take my career to the next level. I also think it didn't hurt that he got a coaching staff that actually believes him in him because That's it true. doesn't sound like Mike Zimmer in uh, Minnesota really loved the player, right? And it, they didn't get along. And that's just not the case with him and Dan Quinn. To, to be fair to, to the Vikings, you know, I, Zimmer is a very difficult person to deal with from what I, from what I understand. So I, I, I yep. wouldn't put it past him that. But it also, I mean, like I said, it, it also sounded like he was really adversely inclined to try to like get into this role, which is something sure. that the Vikings were trying to force him into. So uh, maybe it took a change of scenery to kind of realize that this was something that, you know, he maybe he needed to try. And, and obviously it worked out well for the Cowboys and for him. All right, I got a couple questions on J. Ron Curse. Uh, who would you rather sign at, at the position, you know, considering how much it's going to cost to keep each guy, J. Ron Curse or Dalton Schultz? Let's say Schultz is $12 million and Curse is $4 million. I Look, I mean, I, I clearly am overvaluing Schultz or something because I don't understand why we are just totally cool and think that we can replace Schultz with whomever. So Because I think the conversation comes down is, was he more a, a product of the environment or is he actually a good tight end? Okay, my, I guess those those two things are kind of secondary to if okay if he is a product of his environment are you confident that that sean McEwen or blake jarwin are going to be able to replace that that same sort of play next year no i'm not <laughs> so then what are we doing here like but, but if it's hayden hurst instead at six million versus schultz at 12 million i'm not sure there's a huge difference and i love schultz like you know how much i like schultz Except that you, you you probably get six million dollars worth of tight end play, which means about half the games that that Dalton Schultz will play. I mean, Hayden Hurst is you know look, uh, I agree. Everyone, one thing you can say about Schultz though is that the guy plays all the games. Yeah. Like he shows up and yeah. he's reliable. Uh, I, I think that that's something that is worth paying for, in my opinion, uh, just because tight end is a position that if you need it, uh, it's not exactly easy to get one. You kind of have to get a veteran if you want somebody to actually come in and play the position. So for me, I would say Schultz, but I I mean, I think it's a good point because I think that that that, that curse has incredible value for what this defense does. I, I just think that I could probably find a curse replacement if I had to. I pro Oh, man. It's not we'll easy. I, I certainly, yeah, I certainly wouldn't say that this is a, a, a simple choice for me because I think they both kind of are niche players to a large degree, but especially in this market, like, the free agent market. I feel like the free agent market is much deeper at tight end than it is these six three, six four combo guys. Like, there's just not a lot of these guys. And listen, the Cowboys tried to sign another one of these last year at a much more expensive rate in Keanu Neal, and it didn't work. Right? Like Keanu Neal was pretty clearly the worst linebacker that they had. I don't know. I, what we're going to say, we'll say the tight end talk because I, I, I wrote down about eight tight end names. I want to talk about later on in the show. So let's save that. Uh, one more uh, most improved guy that we should mention pro football focus didn't mention him because they hate this player, but Trevon Diggs, right? You mm. go from a up and down rookie season to having, what was it? 11 interceptions in, in 2021 uh, Diggs became one of the league's most dynamic cornerbacks. I, I think we at least need to mention him, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, he, what a year, right? Like, I mean, I think yeah, you mentioned it. Despite PFS uh, issues with him, uh, you know, was I think pretty sure was it all pro and you know definitely made the pro. He was an all pro. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, what an what an incredible year! I'm excited to see what we've got moving forward because clearly he's a guy. I mean, look, interceptions can be fluky. That sort of thing can definitely you know yep. go up and down. But his skill set is going to keep him in. In, in ball production, I think, at the yeah. very least, for his entire career. I think there's going to be years where he has four interceptions, and there'll probably be years where he has seven. I, I just don't see him going, like, stretches with multiple years with only one or two interceptions. Like, it's just not yeah. going to happen, right? Or, or or he'll have, like, a ton of pass deflections, and he dropped, like, yeah. five interceptions or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I can see exactly. that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's take a, a quick break so we can tell you guys about Bet Online. Football might be over this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to find out where the next fired coach is going to land, <laughs> betonline.net is the number one sport, a spot for all of your sports betting needs. Bet Online remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Landon, we're going to finish up some of our Twitter questions that we didn't get to uh, on Tuesday. So let's start with this one from uh, our friend Jesus. He wants to know, uh, what makes Tyler Lindebaum a much better prospect and player than Tyler Biotish? His tape. I mean, <laughs> I mean, his tape is incredible. Not that not that uh, Biotish's tape wasn't good, especially his, his uh, junior year, I think, right? The year before yes. he came out. Uh, it was very good. It was first-round tape, to be sure. Uh, I just think that when – and I have not watched a ton of Linderbaum yet. I've watched We've seen like enough of him. Games. Games. Yeah, but I, I, I get the point. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's incredibly uh, athletic. He understands what he's doing. He understands technique. He's a former wrestler, so he's really good with leverage. Uh, you know, he's just uh, he's just very precise and, and physical despite his size. Um, I, I think that what makes him, you know uh, – uh, a better prospect than Biotish is he's coming into the, the, the league healthy. He's coming in off of a fantastic year. Biotish had kind of a down year coming off of an injury uh, at Wisconsin. Um, And, and again, just the tape overall top to bottom on a uh, looks incredible on a, a, an Iowa squad that uh, is, you know, one of the best has one of the best offensive lines, you know, programs in in the, in the country. So, uh, yeah, there's just a lot to like the resume and and, and all the, the the things that you list on the prospect. He checks a ton of those boxes. So uh, I think you just look at the tape. I mean, honestly, based on the tape alone, he's a top of the first round type player. The problems you that the things that are knocking him down are he's a center. He's undersized. Yep. You know, those are the kind of things. It's yep. not the play. The play is. It's it's a lot like what we talked about yesterday with uh, with with the Kobe Dean. Right. Yep. The tape is what got him there. The tape is what got him in the first round. Everything else, the kind of incidental size, everything else, that's why he's being, you know, kind of knocked to the back half of the first round. Uh, the other thing, I mean, specifically talking about the tape is that Linderbaum just, he's not on the ground very often. And it was one of my no. biggest concerns about Biotis kind of coming out of school. And listen, I think you still see it some now. Is there's some balance issues, right? It just, he's mm-hmm. on the ground too much. And if you're looking for like a zone blocking center, you can't have that, right? And, 
Linderbaum is so good in that area. But uh, my question, back to Linderbaum, does the size concern you at all, 292, 294? Are, are, are you worried about that? I mean, I think it's something to talk about, but I do think that there are people that are way over selling it. You know, I mean, I, like I think- if you weighed 300 pounds rather than 294, which is six pounds, I, well, we could do that in an afternoon. Is that really that concerning to you? Uh, you know, Lance Erlang said that if he was 6'4", 315, that he would be like the top five overall pick. You know, yeah. I, I just think, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is the ta- if the tape is showing you that he's a top five overall pick type talent and literally you're just trying to change the numbers on a sheet to make yourself feel better. Like he's ultimately accomplishing what he needs to accomplish in, in, in a, at a very high level. It's not like he's playing, you know, middle Tennessee state. He's doing this against Ohio state against Michigan. Like it's, it it may not be the sec, but it's the next best thing. So I don't know. I think, you know, that that's a, that's a league that put produces a lot of uh, big men on the offensive and defensive side of the football. Uh, He's seen a ton of competition. It's not like he's not any more prepared than some of these other guys to come into the NFL and play that way. I I just think that we're uh, again, it's, it's, it's a number you're looking at a number and you're concerned, but, but the tape is telling you that you shouldn't be concerned. The tape doesn't show a guy that has a problem with his size, right? The tape doesn't show a guy that, Oh, he's undersized. And you can see it here on tape where he's unable to do this thing. He seemingly can do everything you need a center to do and seemingly can do it extremely well. And the other thing about this is it's not unprecedented. It's not like he's no. going to come into the NFL and be the smallest center we've ever seen. Uh, Jason Kelsey came in at 284. I'm looking at just some other guys right now. Austin Blythe, who was with the Rams and the Chiefs, uh, was 292. Nick Hardwick from the Chargers, I'm sure you remember him. Yep. 295. Corey Lindsay, uh, who is now the, mm-hmm. the center for the Chargers, 296. Dan Copen, 297. LaCharles Bentley, 297. Weston Richburg, 298. Uh, I mean, Ryan Khalil, two ninety nine. Like we've seen this before, and like it's like five or six pounds. I mean, I said we like, could do that in an afternoon, right? What are we doing here? <laughs> I, I think the idea is that people talked about the fact that he went to Iowa, and that Iowa has this elite of elite weight room. So why hasn't he gotten bigger? Because he plays well at two ninety two, guys. <laughs> like, have you noticed the tape? He's doing all that at that weight without any problem. Like again, like ultimately, I think there is a point when we're just like chasing numbers and not actually applying why those numbers matter. Because it, it, if, if, if he's able to accomplish what he needs to accomplish without the extra seven pounds, who cares? Draft yep. the dude. Like yep. it's, it's really dumb. A couple more. Uh, Rodney Hudson, 298 coming out of school. <laughs> he's been pretty decent in the NFL, right? I mean, you, you basically named like two of the best centers in, in the league and probably two of the best centers in the last decade. So in Kelsey and, 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 uh, Nick Mangold was 299 and, and man, <laughs> Mangold as well. Like, I mean, it's you know, <laughs> we could go back, we could go back later too. I mean, if you want to go all the way back, obviously yeah. the Cowboys have yeah. a history of, of undersized centers. So I, I just, you know. I think that if you've got the plan is to have two sturdy guards anyways. So if you're going to do that, then what's the issue with having a a center who's 292 pounds if he's incredible? Yeah. Sometime you're going to have to tell everybody you're uh, marched. It's not not my story. It's my dad's story, but yes, we will do that for story for story time someday. Absolutely. Uh, All right. Next question. This one from Corey. Uh, What's one move that would show Jerry Jones in the front office would be all in on the 2022 season. 
So basically we've talked about this. Like we, I want them to go all in. What would be something they could do this offseason that would be like, yes, this team is all in? Well, I think the first thing that we're going to see if that's the case is they're going to keep DeMarcus Lawrence and they're going to keep uh, Amari. Amari Cooper. You know, I think that's the first step in kind of, okay, all right, let's see where we're going with this. Uh, and then, you know, you know, going out and, and making, you know, not, not, not a huge splash free agent signing, but finding a way to, you know, especially if you're keeping both of those guys, that may not be possible unless you are really flipping. And then maybe that's the second thing, right. Is yep. uh, 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 the start of a flipping of a ton of these contracts, like just pushing all that money forward so that you're freeing up the cap space to go in and, and, you know, not only retain the guys you've got, but keep Randy Gregory, Maybe keep uh, uh, my, uh, Michael Gallup, uh, and then maybe bring in a, a free agent or two to kind of take you over the top. I think those are the things that you'd have to start see to, to kind of get that sort of inkling that that's that's what's going to happen in, in, in the next season. I agree with you. There's not necessarily one draft pick or trade. It would be the hey, we're moving Zach Martin money back. We're moving Tyron Smith money back. We're moving. Demarcus Lawrence money back like that. Those are the kind of things that would make me feel like, okay, the Cowboys are serious about trying to contend this year. And they're not going to just worry about their cap space in this situation for 2024 or 2025. I'd like to see that. We'll, we'll see. Well, I'm assuming in the next month, we'll find out if they're going to start pulling those triggers. Right. Yeah. We're going to, I mean, we'll start seeing the pre moves to this kind of stuff like, like that, right. The money yep. moving around the pulling of the triggers on some of these contracts those will be the kind of bellwether signs of where this offseason is headed. I agree. Uh, all right. Next question. This one from Jeffrey. He wants to know which, what one position, if the Cowboys added a Pro Bowl level talent to, could upgrade this team the fastest? He says left guard. What do you think? I think if you were able, and I don't know that this is realistic or what will, if this will happen. If the Cowboys were able to add a Pro Bowl level defensive tackle to this, I 100 line, that's exactly where I was going. Yes, this de- defense becomes very, very difficult to play against, and I think yes. that suddenly you're not needing as much to fully load up on offensive players because suddenly you know the 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 proportions get changed a little bit, and the complementary football becomes a little bit more complementary. Uh, I, I think if you could get a Pro Bowl level uh, pass rusher specifically on the interior, it, it really frees things up for the guys that you have on the outside who I think are perfect for what you need, but they're getting a lot of attention every single time, whether it's Gregory, Morris, or Parsons out there. They're, they're getting a lot of attention because they know that they can deploy a lot of attention some of the times because by the time you got Gregory back in the system – uh, you know, you saw that Odigizua kind of had hit a rookie wall a little bit. We saw a little bit of of, of Gilmore uh, kind of come in and, and uh, Gallimore, I'm sorry, come in and, yep. and, and yep. Uh, uh, you know, give you something there. But it, it kind of was all disjointed. If you could figure out a way to add a Pro Bowl level topper to that, uh, I think that suddenly you've got a fearsome defensive line. And, and, and I think – San Francisco shows you, right? Like having that kind of talent on the defensive line can really, really buoy the rest of you, buoy the rest yes. of your team across the board. And what's scary about San Francisco is like they drafted uh, Javon Kinlaw at what two years ago, and he hasn't hardly even played for them. Like they've been, no. it's basically been Bosa and Armstead. I agree with you though, and 
The only thing I would disagree a little bit is I don't think it necessarily has to be a, a pass rusher. I'm just thinking somebody that no. can do a little bit of both, like sure. Akeem Hicks, who's a free agent for the Bears. You get somebody like that that is strong as a bull and just demands double teams, and if he's left one-on-one, he's going to win his matchup. Then you could really start to do some fun things with your defense, right? You, you don't have to blitz all that often. You If you do blitz, you only need to send five, and you can really stop the run on first down. Like I agree with you. That would really, really change this defense. Having somebody that collapse the pocket on the inside while the while the outside is kind of you know making them forcing them to step up into a collapse pocket, it's going to cause problems for opposing teams' quarterbacks. Now, this guy's a little bit older, but Calais Campbell's a free agent. Um, I wonder what his number is going to be next year. You know, like that's that's the, th- the only thing I worry about is I mean Campbell's obviously elite, he's and so good, I mean he's so good, and and his number is going to be very very high. So. He will be 36 uh, though, but he still plays up. I mean, he is a workhorse. Like he is, yep. he's played 12 games in every single season, at least. And he doesn't miss time, you know, no. or at least he doesn't miss a lot of time for a guy that's 36 years old. No. So uh, yeah, I, I, I think he's someone that if the number was right, yeah, right. I'd certainly be interested in kicking the tires there. All right. Our last uh, thing we're going to get to are is some free agents. So this question comes from Adam. He wants to know, are there any free agents that you would want the Cowboys to specifically target? Uh, you and I are both looking at a, a list done by Mike Clay, uh, friend of the show, met Mike Clay at the Fantasy Football Expo in Camp. Really good guy. Um, so I, I think it's fair to probably just cross off the first 20 names at every single position, and then let's start our free agency preview, right? <laughs> I don't know, 20, man. That's uh, that would be pretty deep for some of these positions. Uh, yeah, I mean, it means we're getting well, – Ray, Ray, Ray McLeod is the the wide receiver that we're going to sign. Is that basically what you're getting at? Former Steeler. Um, I, I did write some, some names down that I would like to see the Cowboys go after and target. Uh, you're going to be really excited about a bunch of these names. Are you ready? Yeah, okay. Blake Bell. <sighs> I mean, I like Blake Bell, but I just, you know, I mean, what are you signing him to do? Like to be your number one tight end? Uh, no, you. I, I think you're signing him with the idea that he's going to do all the stuff that Blake Jarwin can't do. Right? Yeah. Okay. I can get so on Blake board Jarwin, as a, as a band aid. Yeah. yeah. Blake Jarwin goes, stays in his role, and you're basically hiring Bell to do all the blocking, all the inline but, but stuff. See, that, I mean, it almost kind of eliminates the usefulness of the tight end, though. The, the usefulness of the tight end is that it's a two way player that doesn't tip off what your position, what you're going to do. Yeah, but by Bell, having could, Bell is functional enough as a receiver and as an athlete to help you there. And this is why I'm willing to pay $12 million for Dalton Schultz because you're talking about a functional wide receiver at the tight end position while potentially losing Amari Cooper and, or, and, or Michael Gallup. Like that's my, I'm trying to be realistic here, man. I I Uh, know, but all right, let's, let's get to some more names. Uh, An old, a pet uh, cat of mine from the draft, Durham Smythe, a tight end from Notre Dame. Uh, I think he's going into this fifth year. He's got the kind of the very similar size to Dalton Schultz, similar athlete. I would like that one. That one would make some sense. I know you just hate these names. This is so good. I mean, you know, no, I don't hate these names. I just, you know, I'd rather have my guy back. <laughs> that's, that's that's my my thing. I, I've got a name for you, and, and, and I'm interested in your thoughts here because uh, the price point may be right. He's young. He's kind of had a very odd career, but I really loved him coming out of college. What's the current situation with Maurice Hurst? 
I don't know. Um, played well for the 49ers last year. Yeah, he did. And and what was the deal at Oakland? I mean, it just felt like he didn't – did he fall out of favor with the coaching staff or something? Wasn't a Rod Marinelli guy. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, like, I think there are guys that you can get like that that have – you know, they kind of had been in weird situations that their, their uh, value market value is depressed because of it uh, that, that may have talent that you could plug in and, and, and play. I mean, maybe not specifically Maurice Hurst, but those are the kind of guys that I think I'm interested in and in kind of digging through is just, you know, guys who may have more talent than what their market value is worth at this point. Okay. I got a couple more names for you. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Uh, Kazir white, a linebacker for the chargers. I, yeah. Another one of these kind of hybrid linebacker mm-hmm. safety he's like 218 pounds but one of the best coverage linebackers in the league I, I think he would be a perfect fit for uh with micah parsons and probably five million a year probably similar to what you gave keanu neal last year yeah i i like that and, and honestly i like that it, it, to the tune of not having to feel forced to draft a, a linebacker in the first round right like, and, well maybe not even i think if you sign because you're white you'd have Parsons, White, Jabril Cox. Maybe you just yeah. need a day three linebacker at that point. Maybe like Luke Gifford a little bit. I mean, you're looking probably for the fourth and fifth guy. You're going to use J. Ron Curse, assuming he's back. Maybe that's a $5 million signing that kind of knocks out a need in the draft. Yeah, I think that's certainly possible. Again, that's that's clearly a lot of what they like to do is to, to try to eliminate needs in the draft room by signing kind of you know potential upside uh, draft picks like this you know honestly if you look at what the Bengals did last year to kind of build their roster it isn't very different from what the cowboys did you know it's kind yeah. of getting some uh, uh cheap free agents that actually you're hoping will play better than they did and the cowboys kind of got did that a lot last year too i mean i think yep. that's a good good example of kind of what y- you saw from uh from jaron J- curse okay um one more i gotta make sure i pronounce his name i wrote it down uh, for Lorenzo Faracasi, the defensive tackle for the Jets. Uh, John Oning and I were just talking about him in the DM, but yeah. he is one of the best pure one technique nose tackles in the in free agency. If you go back and watch the Cowboys game 2019 against the Jets, mm-hmm. he destroyed Travis Frederick in that game. And I know Frederick was a little compromised at that point, but he was a I mean, he was an animal. And I we just got done talking about defensive tackles. If you grab somebody like that and pair him with Oso Digizua and Gallimore and Tristan Hill, I like that quite a bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm all, I am on board with getting a, a run stuffing one technique in in free agency if 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 the team is because I, I do think that there is a need there. The constant band aid situations there is just tiresome at this point, especially after the way things went down in the. Playoff game. Did you bring Carlos Watkins back? I thought he played pretty well. Is he on a two-year deal? Is he still like, or was he? A, is he a free agent? This He's year? a free agent. Yep. I thought that he had one more deal. Yeah, I mean, I think that he played pretty decent. If he comes back on a similar deal, I wouldn't be upset with it. Just to kind of have some depth there. They clearly like to rotate their guys a lot, and I thought that he gave you some good snaps there. He, he wasn't, you know, life-changing, but he didn't get you killed for most no. of the season. I, I just think like. that's a spot that they could. Without spending a lot, they could really upgrade. Sure, absolutely, and and but they haven't really necessarily been interested in doing that in the past. I think it's time to kind of start considering that. Well, I, they haven't spent a lot of money there. They have spent draft picks. Like, do you think Osa is a better one than a three? No, 
I don't. I think he's too undersized to be a one. You so they know? have like three. It, they've got three three techniques on the roster right now. They they kind of do. I think Tristan Hill honestly is the one guy who kind of they should back do. And forth. Yeah, I mean Gallimore can play some one technique. I mean he's kind of sized like that, but I just think his skill set fits better as a three. Honestly, I think all three of those guys' skill sets fit better as a three, which is why I feel like the one technique is the position that needs to be yeah. filled. I agree. They got to get somebody in there that can, they don't have to play a ton of snaps. Right. And you also have Bahana, which we'll see what Bahana does in year two, but like somebody but, that can but give them. Think about if you seconds. had like a, 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 a good to, to very good uh, interior pass rushing deep nose tackle, or a guy who could at least push the pocket and command double teams. It would free so much more up inside for guys like Osa and, and, yep. and Hill and, and, and Gallimore. So yep. yeah, I think that it would be, a, a, an added bonus that kind of would, you know, rise the rising tide raises all ships sort of situation. Any other names from that list that are intriguing to you at all? Jalen Smith. Yeah. Let's get him back. Uh, I think, you know, the, the, the thing about it is that it's tough to know some of these names do. Yes. But it, it also depends on who the Cowboys are re-signing, right? Like, so if they don't go get Randy Gall- uh, Gregory, if Gregory doesn't come back, would they be interested in someone like uh, Dante Fowler, who just got cut from Atlanta? You could get him on a cheap deal, maybe. Uh, you know, like I, uh, Jerry Hughes is an older guy. Justin Houston is back on the on the on, on the list. So I, I think there are guys that that are interesting um, kind of placeholders if you're not able to re-sign your own guy. You know, um, look, you were talking about tight ends. Uh, so I'll bring up a name that I do like in this tight end market that I think is one of these guys who just needs a change of scenery and and can maybe kind of live up more to his hype a little bit. I, I like OJ Howard. I liked OJ Howard hmm. coming out of Alabama. I think he has the athleticism and the traits that you are looking for in a two-way tight end. It just didn't work out in a Tampa Bay. He dealt with some injuries early. And then, you know, once they play kind all 17 of, games this year coming off the injuries, that's great. Which was right? great. That was great for him. And, and I think that the, the problem with Howard is that they gave up on him pretty quickly and they flooded their tight end room with other tight ends. So yep. there was just a ton of other tight ends. And then on top of that, once Tom Brady came in, obviously he was going to bring Gronk as well. Right. So <clears throat> it just became one of those things where uh, he, uh, just didn't get a full chance early on uh, and then didn't have as much of an opportunity later on. Uh, he did get a chance to play all 17 games like you mentioned, but I think he's a guy who with a change of scenery and more focus on him and getting him the ball, maybe you could get some better results, more of what you were okay. expecting when he was coming out of college. Yeah. I think you could probably get him for half the price of Dalton Schultz, maybe yeah. even less than that, maybe 40% of Dalton Schultz. Not sure there's going to be a massive difference. Um, I'll give you one more guy. I am I under with Dan Quinn as a defensive coordinator. I am way more open to the guys that are versatile. They can play multiple positions and then maybe haven't had a home before. I kind of like Jabril Peppers. I mean, I like Jabril Pe- mm. Peppers coming out of coming out of the draft. I think he was in two bad situations with the Browns and the Giants. He was with the Browns when they had Greg Williams and he was playing free safety. He was actually playing well for the Giants before he got hurt last year. If you want a guy that's basically like Keanu Neal, but a little bit more athletic and a little bit better in coverage, I kind of think Jabril, Jabril Peppers could work as one of those hybrid second-level defenders. Yeah, I got to tell you, I was not a big fan of his coming out. 
I, I did not like him. I didn't. I thought his he was overhyped by a lot mm-hmm. of the the draft nicks coming he out. He was a first round pick, which is probably yeah. And, yeah, I think he got overdrafted. But I but I will agree with you that having watched him with the Giants, uh, not with Cleveland, but having watched him with the Giants, yeah. that he played a lot better football than he had early mm-hmm. on in his career. Uh, and to the point where I agree, I think that if he comes in a kind of a cheap deal. Uh, I, I could, you know, he also give you some return stuff as well. He's a yep. good returner. Um, so I, I think that there, there is something there again, another guy who kind of bounced around in some bad situations. Frankly, it could be very similar to what you had in curse, right? Where it's just yeah. a guy who yep. miscast in his first two spots, maybe at the end, just like curse, right? At the end of his last stint kind of found a home at, at the right position for him. Uh, and only, yep. o- yeah, only in t- to turn around and be uh, a free agent the following year. So uh, I think that there you could potentially catch lightning in a bottle, much like you did with Curse, if 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 you you know get him in the right situation. Uh, so we, there you go. We just talked about nine guys the Cowboys absolutely will not sign in free agency. That's really fun, Landon. Not even one. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're going to be excited for when they bring back Tavon Austin. And they sound oh, looking at some tight ends now. When Jeremy Alec Sprinkle. Ogletree gets signed as, uh, as yeah. our... It'll oh, be dude, Jeremy Sprinkle, even... and it'll be Jeff Driscoll as their tight ends that they bring up. So there you go. Uh, really excited about that Luke Stalker signing that we've got coming <laughs> down the pike for tight end one. Actually, I wouldn't hit Luke Stalker. Uh, all right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, you can download the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. You can follow in at McCoolBCB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we'll see you guys next time.